the beauty of the gospel is that the Lord sets us free to be who we were originally created to be. He sets us free from the lies we believed about ourselves. He sets us free from the old nature. And he sets us free to be the children of God. And that's, that's a wonderful thing. You are listening to the Christian Music Archive podcast, part of the new release today podcast network. I'm your host, Dave Maurer. Each week, I share stories about Christ, community, and music, chatting with musical guests who you will find listed on the pages of the Christian Music Archive. There are thousands of creative men and women who have helped shape the soundtrack of the Christian faith, and we get to hear their stories, learn about how Christ has made a difference in their life, and hopefully along the way, we'll learn how we can be a better part of our community. Welcome to episode 88 of the podcast. I sure thank you for listening to another episode this week. And for those of you who are listening for the first time, welcome. I really have two purposes for creating this weekly audio file. First, I'm a huge fan of Christian music, and I enjoy talking to the women and men who have written or performed the songs that I enjoy. But secondly, is I hope to learn from each guest something that might make me a better Christ follower. To get things started today, I want to remind us of an old Saturday Night Live sketch. It was uh, Al Franken, I think it was, and he had a sketch called Daily Affirmations with Stuart Smalley. This bit was a mock self-help show where Stuart would frequently use the phrase, I'm good enough, I'm smart enough, and doggone it, people like me. Probably what made that program so funny was the fact that many of us really do struggle with liking ourselves. I know I have. At multiple times throughout my life, I've questioned my worth and my value to society or to family, and I think that's something that we probably all wrestle with at some point in our lives. Today's guest speaks to those very thoughts. David Baroni is going to share several situations where he had to be reminded that his worth as a human being was as a child of God. In fact, we all are. So I hope today's episode is encouraging to you, even if you aren't struggling right now with crippling thoughts of self-worth, but maybe this conversation will help give you the tools to recognize that your true identity is based on your relationship with Christ. And we're going to get to this conversation right after this word from Mercy, Inc. If you follow the news at all recently, you are aware of the devastating crisis and the war that is raging in Ukraine. There are currently over two and a half million Ukrainian refugees pouring into neighboring countries, and the majority of these displaced refugees are women and children desperately seeking for shelter and food and medical assistance. When we look at the chaos and suffering that is unfolding in the Ukraine, it is easy to feel helpless. But there are tangible ways you can give that directly impact the lives of those who have left everything they know in search of safety. Mercy Inc. is on the ground with its partners providing shelter, food, and medical assistance. Mercy is providing bedding in a church so children can lay their weary little frames for a night of true rest. Mercy is providing supplies for mothers so that they have what they need to continue making their way to safety on the other side of the border. Mercy is holding babies and calming toddlers for hours upon hours within the safety of a bond shelter in an orphanage. Mercy looks like absolute relief on the face of an exhausted elderly woman who is wrapped up in kindness and transported from the border to a safe place in Hungary where she can find food and shelter. Mercy is love in action. Would you consider joining Mercy, Inc. in providing shelter, food, and medical assistance to those displaced by war, please go to mercyinc.org slash crisisrelief to give directly to the crisis relief in Ukraine. That's mercyinc.org slash crisis hyphen relief. David Baroni may best be known as a Grammy award-winning songwriter penning songs for a who's who list of Christian musicians. And in addition to writing songs, he has 11 worship albums and a number of instrumental projects. And oh yeah, he's the author of a bunch of books too. But more important than that is probably his marriage to 
Rita, his wife of 41 years, not only a life partner, but a ministry partner. So we're going to be talking with David Baroni. And so I welcome you to the podcast, David. It's great to be here, Dave. I'm excited. I first learned about you way back in the 1980s when I was spinning a song off of Pressing Towards the Prize on a radio station in Boise, Idaho. God's still on the throne. That's the one, yeah. Let's kind of start by moving back there. Um, Mid-80s, you probably were doing music before you jumped into that record deal. How did you get started playing music? Uh, My older brother, Neil, he's 16 years older than I am, and uh, he was a jazz pianist. So I grew up listening to him and I started taking piano lessons when I was five years old. Okay. I took for seven years and didn't learn how to read music. I thought I was fooling the piano teacher by (laughs) having him play it again, and then I would just try to hear it. Uh, I play by ear, or as we say in Mississippi, I play by heart. Oh, there you go. I I like that expression. Anyway, uh, when I was 12, I I quit piano lessons to play baseball. (laughs) And then I I got in my first rock band when I was 12. I was a singer. And uh, the other guys, there were two, two guitar players, a drummer and me. And the loud guitarist fortunately drowned out my singing. <laughs> but I've always loved music and uh, picked up the bass when I was about 13. Uh, so bass and keys are my main instruments. And when I was a senior in high school, I, I was a good basketball player for a short guy. So I was wondering if I should go and pursue basketball or music, and I figured I was too short to ever be in the NBA and too slow. (laughs) So I really, I've always loved music. It's been a passion of mine to communicate and express myself. And um, so I decided to go to college and major in jazz music. Okay. I graduated after only one year. Some people call it quitting. <laughs> and uh, I got in this band that traveled around the country, and I didn't know the Lord. I, I grew up going to church, but I just knew about Jesus. I really didn't have a relationship with with the Lord. Yeah. So I got in this band called Fancy Music, and we traveled all over the country. And uh, I learned a lot musically. I had some adventures and some misadventures. <laughs> and uh, I ended up working at a recording studio in Muscle Shoals, Alabama, Fame uh, Studios. Yeah. Okay. And in fact, one of my claims to fame is I played on the last album that Bill Haley ever did. No kidding. Bill Haley and the Comets. Comets I'm actually yeah. listed as one of the Comets. No uh, he, kidding. Yeah, he was in his 60s at the time and still selling records in uh, Europe. So I was 20 years old, piano player. and. That was cool to get to do that. But I was still searching, Dave. I was searching yeah. for reality. I was searching for God. I just didn't know that's mm-hmm. who I was looking for. Yeah. And I walked around the corner from Fame Studios to have lunch at Kentucky Fried Chicken. And I found God in Kentucky Fried Chicken. Oh, now that's the story we have to hear about. Yes. He was working there through a young lady that not only knew about Jesus, she really had a real relationship with the Lord. Uh, yeah. She also looked real cute in her Kentucky Fried Chicken uniform, and she made the best 11 herbs and spices I'd ever tasted. I think I see where this is going. And yes, you do. <laughs> she she was different. She uh, made me watch my language around her, not in a dogmatic way, but just mm-hmm. in a very matter-of-fact way. And she talked about her love for the Lord and invited me to her church. And finally, to get her to quit bugging me, I said yes. And uh, while I was there, I I had an encounter with the love of God. And Jesus changed my life. And not only changed my life, he's become my life. And we'll talk more about that later. But I was so grateful to the KFC young lady that I asked her to marry me. And uh, she's my wife, Rita, as, as you mentioned, 41 years and going strong. I'm so grateful that that the Lord, uh, that there wasn't a Popeye's fried chicken in Muscle Shoals. Because <laughs> right. I'd have gone there instead of KFC. God knows what he's doing. And uh, so I, uh, before we got married, I, I moved back to my hometown. I quit the studio scene because I felt like that's what I needed to do. <laughs> Live with my parents for a while and did little else for several months, but just read the Bible. That turned into the best thing I could do. 
in the meantime, I had sent a couple of songs to an engineer friend of mine who played them for a producer, Gary S. Paxton. Oh, Pre- Gary Paxton, sure. Yeah. And Gary had me take the bus up to Nashville because I didn't have a car. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, struggling musician. And I played these songs for Gary and he started talking about producing an album and friends on Christian TV. And and then I had to tell him I was in a songwriting contract with Fame Studios. So he, he said, so technically those aren't your songs. Mm. My face fell, my heart was broken. And I said, yeah. He said, well, why don't you ask them to get you out of your contract? Tell them that you're just writing gospel songs. So I did that and miraculously, it took a few months, but miraculously they let me out of the contract. Gary put his own money into my first album, which had a song called Soldier of the Light on it. Is that the one that Anders Blackwood? Blackwood? They recorded it and it entered the CCM, which was very fledgling in those days. Sure. Entered the CCM chart at number one and stayed there for six months. And I thought, well, this this Christian music thing is easy. (laughs) (laughs) There you go. So in the meantime, I had a talk with my future mother-in-law who said, why don't you get a job, basically? And and I needed to hear that. <laughs> yeah. So I started working fast food while I was waiting for this album to be finished. And and I didn't know if I was going to go full-time in music or not. I, I felt like I would, but I wasn't sure. So I worked fast food restaurants and ended up working on a concrete crew from with some guys from the church I went to. And it was really important that I do that, that I learned how to be in the real world, Mm, you know, and love Jesus in the real world. And then wrestling with, should I go full-time or not in music ministry? A pastor friend of mine gave me some great wisdom. He said, David, why don't you go full-time for two years? At the end of that time, look back and evaluate it and Mm. see if the Lord blessed it. He said, otherwise, if you don't do this, you're going to spend the rest of your life wondering if you should have gone for it. Yeah. So when our oldest daughter, Bethany, was three weeks old, Rita and I hit the road full time. That was in 1984. Wow. And uh, we've been traveling and ministering ever since. And God has been faithful through the ups and downs. Well, I have a couple of questions out of your story that I'm kind of intrigued by. You said you, uh, you cheated your music teacher and you played by rote or by heart. And not by music. I'm assuming you learned how to read music eventually. <laughs> not the notes. I mean, I can read it very, very slowly. I can okay. read chord charts fine. Okay. But uh, I, I play by ear. I play what I hear. And uh, very grateful for that. I, I obviously, it'd be ideal to do both. But if I had to choose, I'd choose what I chose. <laughs> oh, sure. Sure. And so then the other question I have is is probably a very, very deep and important question. Have you ever eaten Popeye's since you met Rita? <laughs> yes, yes, I have, although lately I'm gluten-free, so <laughs> I had to give it up. That's funny. Well, so how did you start writing your own music? Because that's really where you have thrived. Yes, you've got a number of albums and you've done a lot of instrumental stuff, but you have written, I, what did I read on CCLI? You've got like over 200 worship songs that you've either written or co-written. So where did songwriting become your voice? Well, I remember writing my first song when I was nine or 10 years old. I I used to read a lot of science fiction. So this song was probably terrible. I don't remember the song, but it was about a visit (laughs) to a small planet or something like that. Okay. Yeah. And then when I was 15 or 16, I wrote some love songs. And then when I was in the band, when I traveled around the country, there was a lot of downtime. Mm, So I, I wrote a few songs then, but I must say my, uh, prolific output only happened after I said yes to the Lord because he's he's the creative genius and yeah. so I just try to tune my ear to hear what he says I do have a book called the heart and the art of songwriting that I talk about the spiritual aspects of songwriting which I feel are the most important but also the nuts and bolts of practical side too well isn't it true I mean I think you would agree that God is the ultimate creator of music, and so we're just using his language to express the feelings and the things that he's putting in our hearts anyway. Yes, it's a wonderful gift that God yeah. has given us. Music is a gift of God to help us to remember, to remember his faithfulness, to remember goodness, to remember scripture for that matter. 
and it breaks down the defenses that we put up between us and others, or us and God even. It yeah. cuts through the emotional defenses, uh, the gift of memory, and uh, it's a great way of communication to receive communication from the Lord and also yeah. to communicate with Him and with others. Well, one of the things I always try to do, and you kind of touched on this in your testimony or as you're talking about kind of your life growing up, is the testimony of believing for yourself. And I would be curious, you know, you said you grew up in the church, but you didn't have a relationship with God, and that Rita kind of helped you see that difference, what that difference was. What specifically was it um, that you saw in your heart that's, oh my goodness, this is a God who wants a relationship with me, and that I in turn, want to have with God? What was that thing? What was the it? That's a great question, Dave. Uh, really, when I visited this church in Sheffield, Alabama, and I saw the way the people loved each other, and they loved me. I was a stranger to most of them. They didn't know me, but they were very kind. And then the thing that really uh, convinced me, though, was when this in an old-fashioned testimony service, this young man, he was 14 years old at the time, stood up and he said very simply with tears in his eyes in front of the whole church, he said, I just want to thank Jesus for dying on the cross for me, for getting those nails in his hands so that I could be saved. And he sat down, but I could tell he really meant that. Uh -huh. and, and all of a sudden I realized, Dave, that I couldn't stand up and say that about Jesus. Uh -huh. And, uh, and then the Holy Spirit not only showed me my need, he showed me uh, the answer. He showed me Jesus. And I had been arrested for possession of marijuana just one month before this. Mm. And the Lord used that, um, among other things, to show me just that I was on the wrong road. And so it's like my life flashed before my eyes and I, I saw my need and uh, I saw the love of God and just... I didn't know how to pray, really. I just started talking to God in my own way, which yeah. is prayer. So before that night was over, I was a new creation. I didn't want to smoke pot anymore. My language cleaned up, and I finally met the one I thought I already knew. What's the, what's the old song, He Looked Beyond My Fault and Saw My Need? Yes, and I love that about God, that he knows us each individually and can reach us right where we're at. That's and right. Sometimes it takes a pretty girl to get us there. Sometimes it takes, you know, but God finds the way to get to us. And, and so that's really, really cool. Yes, sir. Well, one of the things I always do before a podcast is I ask my guests, what is it that you want to talk about? And one of the things that really stood out to me in your, that pre-interview was the identity in Christ. And so how did your change in accepting the Lord, how did that change your identity in Christ at that moment? Well, it changed it at that moment because I became, a, instead of a son of darkness, I became a son of the kingdom and a, a, a son of the king. Uh, I didn't really realize the, how profound that was, though, for several years, uh, even though I was transformed. I still, the way I, I put it, I, I was doing my will in his name mm. and asking God to bless what I was doing instead of doing what God was blessing. And it was around, I, I met the Lord in 1979. In 1987, I, that was a pivotal year for me because I first started seeing the difference between me living for God and me letting Christ be my life. Okay. And, uh, I wrote a song called Alive in Jesus that says, uh, I've met laughter, I've felt pain, tried to treat them both the same. It's like looking at a rainbow while still standing in the rain. Though not easy to explain, my heart is learning. This refrain When I lose Then I win And when I die Then I gain Alive in Jesus Dead to me When I lose my life I find it And all I want to be Is alive in Jesus Dead to me 
as I daily seek his face, become lost in his embrace, to the glory of his grace I'll ever be, alive in Jesus. It seemed like I read a couple of books that were very pivotal too, Dave. One was Watchman Nee's The Normal Christian Life. And in that book, he said, only Jesus Christ has ever lived the normal Christian life and only he can. And the inference was, so quit trying to live it and let Christ <laughs> live it in you. Yeah. Uh, the, the word says that he that is joined to the Lord is one spirit. I like to say there's a unique expression of Christ that can only come from your union, Dave, with Jesus. Right. There'll never be another you. And the beauty of the gospel is that the Lord sets us free to be who we were originally created to be. Yeah. He sets us free from the lies we believed about ourselves. He sets us free from the old nature. And he sets us free to be the children of God. And that's yeah. that's yes. a wonderful thing. Yes. I was um, I was abused as a child and grew up as a teenager, very confused and desperately afraid of rejection. But even mm -hmm. even worse than that, I was afraid of being worth rejecting. Oh. So I didn't have a good, healthy self concept. I didn't really know who I was. And I can remember going to parties as a teenager before I met the Lord. And I would be a wallflower. I would just hang back. I'd be shy. I have a quiet kind of personality anyway. But then somebody would say, hey, David, there's a piano. Why don't you play for us? And I would pretend that I didn't want to as I made my way over to the piano. <laughs> and I yeah. sat down at the piano, Dave, and Clark Kent became Superman. Uh -huh. And so for a while there, I was the life of the party. I was confident because I was confident in my gifting. And I found my identity in those gifts. Mm. Well, a funny thing happened. I, I met the Lord, and instead of being called gifted, I was called anointed. But it was basically the same principle. I would, I would not know how to talk to you off of the platform, but on the platform, I could tap into that musical gift. And, and God blessed me, and he was good to me. Yeah. And, and so when I got off the platform, people would say, you're so real. But I was only real behind that piano. Mm -hmm. And uh, I didn't realize that for a while, for a long while, I was finding my identity and my gifts. And then uh, Rita and I were at uh, Last Days Ministries, uh, oh, Keith sure. and Melody Green. We didn't meet Keith. Keith, he had passed away. But Melody was still doing these Christian artist retreats. And so a guy named David Garrett, he and his wife, Dale, started the ministry scripture in song which was okay. actually the precursor to maranatha music and integrity music well david garrett was speaking and he said okay now if you have some encouragement for somebody then why we're going to take a few minutes and you give them a word if you have one and he walked up to me now we had not really met other than to say hi he didn't sure. know me but he said in his his accent dave the Lord wants you to know that your identity is not in your gifts. It's in who you are in Christ. Uh, and uh, I mean, he nailed it. But my thought immediately betrayed my, I didn't say this to him, but my thought was, I know that. Hasn't he heard my songs? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I immediately went to the gift. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, and the, so the Lord has been good to me to keep reminding me. Rita and I were taking a walk earlier today. And I said, you know, I'm so grateful for the reminders God gives me. I guess I must need them mm. to not find my identity in my gifts. And yeah. what a glorious thing that, that we are the sons and daughters of the Most High God. I mean, yeah. that's amazing. Yes, thank you for the gifts, but uh, thank God for the giver, you know? Well, you know, it's interesting. I went through a, a really rough time in my life about 25 years ago, and I was seeing a counselor, and he talked about, Dave, you're a really great human doing, but you're not a good mm -hmm. human being. Mm -hmm. And the understanding that to just be in the presence of God and know that he just wants to be with you. Now, I'm a type A personality. I 
do a lot of stuff. I get a lot of stuff done. Yeah. And even after that counselor told me that, I was wrestling with the whole thing. Well, well, yeah, but I've got to, I've got to do this at church. I have these responsibilities. I'm a dad. I got, you know, do, 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 do. Now, as you were talking about the gifting or the anointing, yes, God gives us these skills, but ultimately, He just wants to be in a relationship with us. Right. And the thing that I've come to, and this is kind of a radical saying if you don't talk it all the way through, but is that God really doesn't care about my health or about my job or about my wealth. He cares about me, and ultimately he wants a relationship with me. He wants a relationship with you. Now, because he created us as people that do stuff, he does want to give us gifts, and he does want to see us happy in in situations and stuff. But ultimately, the whole thing boils down to, I just want to be in a relationship with you individually, personally, and really. Yes. And to me, that's what identity in Christ is. And, you know, I've struggled with weight all my life. I've struggled with this or that. But ultimately, it all boils down to, I don't care. I just care about you. Right, right. That's good. And that is an amazing thing once you can really grasp onto that and hold it and go, yes, I, I, and I don't think we as humans can ever truly grasp it until we walk side by side with God in heaven. But what a relief that is. In, in going through some health struggles in the last couple of years myself, I was playing before the Lord, and he began to sing to me, through me, this very simple song, Sit a while, weary child, just be here with me. Uh-huh. Stop and rest, catch your breath, keep me company. In the quiet of this moment, all your fears are gone. We can talk or just be still, my child, welcome home. And that just really uh, spoke right to me. Well, I was going to ask if it was okay to talk about your health issues. Sure. Because that is a back end of the question that I want to ask. So a couple of years back now, you were diagnosed with Parkinson's disease, right? That's right. And for the listener who doesn't understand what Parkinson's is, tell us what has Parkinson's done to you and your day-to-day life? Well, it affects the brain, and uh, my symptoms are I have a tremor in my right hand, a weakness in my right hand and and right leg. I can still walk, but I have to think about it, it, mm-hmm. it moving my, I mean, I can walk just fine and even run. And I can play the piano, but not like I used to, which is very humbling to me and a little scary. Yeah. Uh, I can play slow, slowly, just fine. But to speed it up, it's just, well, my left hand has improved a great deal. I'll put it that way. <laughs> well, if you're it, a brass or woodwind, that would be vibrato, right? Because that's yeah. a transfer to the <laughs> piano, right? <laughs> right. So the main symptoms are my tremors in my right hand, weakness energy-wise, and uh, sleep difficulty. Mm. And my voice is, is not as strong as it was. So uh, talk about, uh, I have found that, that the Lord really is, his grace really is sufficient and his strength mm-hmm. really is manifested in my weakness. Yeah. Um, it's, it's, it's sobering and humbling and aggravating and scary sometimes. And yet uh, I'm, I'm really doing well. I'm not, I'm not taking any medicines. That's my my journey. I'm not saying for others to do that or not, but and I do boxing two or three times a week uh, with a bag, not with okay. a person. <laughs> it's uh, it's called rock steady boxing for Parkinson's patients, and so oh. we learn combinations, throwing punches, and it's a rigorous one hour workout. And and so overall, and Rita is a real trooper. She's uh, helping me with natural nutritional supplements and making me move my right hand and uh, and aggravating me sometimes for my <laughs> own good. Uh, she's been been great. So we're we're grateful. I mean, I'm not crazy about this, but sure I, God has we've received promises that God's going to heal me and I believe that's before this side of heaven. So I'm 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 waiting for that, but I'm also just grateful for grace in the in the middle of it. So when you got when you received this diagnosis, obviously you probably were seeing symptoms of some sort, and you were going, 
I'm not able to play like I did or sing like I did. Mm-hmm. This is going back to the identity in Christ. What did that look like when you said, okay, God, I've got this thing that's interrupting my work for you. Right. What 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 did what went through your mind in that and how did you wrestle with that in your identity in Christ? Well, I'm still wrestling with it, but I get encouragement from friends and and I didn't go public with this for a long time, uh, for about a year or maybe a little longer. And uh, maybe that some of that was fear. What will people think? People won't want to book me. And of course, COVID helped with that. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, anyway, I, I still, Rita and I still minister together. But I, I get encouragement. And, and recently, there was a person that said, because I, I spoke up in a meeting of worship leaders for the Franklin Prayer House that I'm a part of and and told them, you know, I'm frustrated because I can't do a two-hour worship set anymore, but I still want to do it. Yeah. And could I just come and play? Or, and so she said, later, she said, Father delights in your playing. He just loves it even more now than before. And so that's encouraging, and I, I try to think of that as I, as I play the piano here at the house or sing, or um, I'm just grateful for His goodness and His strength in my weakness. Yeah, I wrote a song, Dave, called "He Is Strong." That He is strong, so you don't have to be. You will find the strength you seek in the courage to be weak. So let go, let go, rest in your Father's arms, because when you're weak. He is strong. And for years, I sang that song and people were blessed by it. But I sang it from a position of strength myself. Lately, I've been singing it from a position of weakness. And uh, that's, uh, it's a whole different uh, perspective. Yeah. But there's a sweetness. There's a sweetness, a, a fragrance of Christ coming from my life now that I don't, I don't think was there in the measure that it is now uh, because of his grace in yeah. this adversity. Well, you know, I was listening to, do you know who Tim Timmons is? No, I don't. He's, a, he's one of the current kind of worship leaders and stuff, and he was talking about, um, he was talking about manure, to be honest with you. <laughs> and he was saying that, you know, if you, if you try to plant seeds into just straight old dirt, it won't, do very well. You have to have manure for a number of reasons. One of it is it holds the soil together so the roots have a place to get rooted into. It provides nutrition and all this kind of stuff. So plants and stuff thrive out of the manure of life. Mm-hmm. And thinking of things like Parkinson's or health issues or job concerns or relationship things as, you know, people talk about poo-poo happens, you know, Yeah, yeah. but that that often is, and why is it that God uses those times to actually draw us deeper and closer in? Well, it's, it's, maybe it's the fertilizer of life that helps us see where we really need to be and really rest on God's water and sunlight so we can continue to grow. That's good. I, I think of the scripture I reckon that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in yes. us. And uh, I'm grateful for that. I was um, a worship pastor at a church here in the Nashville area for three years, 92 to 95. Okay. And then I started traveling again. I was in Singapore and ministering at a worship conference there. And uh a lot of my former contacts didn't know that I was traveling again. It was around Christmas time. Frankly, I didn't have a lot on the schedule and it was my livelihood. And uh, so I remember telling those uh, conference attendees, I said, you know, I've always hoped for the right encounter with God on a mountaintop somewhere or the perfect financial situation that I could finally say, now I can rest. (laughs) <laughs> and then I told them, I said, but I'm learning that the only resting place is a person and his name uh, is Jesus. Yeah. And, so, and so I've spent a lot of energy trying to engineer circumstances to derive peace and satisfaction and rest. It just don't happen through that. Jesus really is our promised land. He's our resting place. And 
He said, in the world you'll have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I've overcome the world. So thank God for his reminders to rest in him, you know, and I need them frequently. (laughs) Yeah, I I think we all do. Well, one of the things, and you've you've alluded to this throughout our conversation already this morning, um, is you and your, your relationship with Rita and your partnership with her. You guys have done a lot of marriage conferences, I would imagine, centered around the image of God in a marriage relationship, as well as being, you know, part of our human relationship. Talk a little bit about how the identity in Christ in a marriage works. Well, you learn humility. You learn that it's more than just about you. Yeah. Um, our marriage conferences are called Abundant Marriage. And so we try to try to let people know that there, Jesus came that we might have life and have it more abundantly. And so uh, we're a partnership. We've, we've learned a lot. We've been through seasons in our marriage where we wondered if we were going to make it. Um, about 20 years ago, we hit a wall and ended up spending a lot of money on counseling. They were trying to recoup now with these conferences. No, I'm just kidding about that. <laughs> But we, there was one particular day we were on our way driving to the counselor's office, and in both of our minds, we were going to ask them how to have a separation, which would have led to a divorce. Mm, yeah. And somehow, godly counselors, thank God for them, somehow in this session, we ended up not doing that. And we stayed together. Um so so in our pain, in our adversity, in our relationship, we've learned some tools, how to communicate, how to, to uh, take a time out if things are hmm. too tough for a moment, you know, as long as you come back to the topic, you know, and not just because my my habit would be to just not talk about it and hope it went away. Mm, and yeah. Rita's, Rita's personality was, let's deal with this, you yeah. know. So we both came from very difficult family of origin backgrounds and uh, didn't really learn healthy modeling for marriage from our parents. Mm. Um, she, her mom and dad divorced, married each other again and divorced again by the time oh, wow. she was 15. Wow. And she has her own story of just... Uh, God's grace and difficulty as a, as a child. I mean, some pretty bad stuff. So we, uh, the way Rita puts it, we were, we decided to get married and we were put in a field with no tools and told to build a house. Mm. And after a while, we just started throwing rocks at each other uh-huh. because we didn't have the tools. Right. So thank God for God, the counseling, thank God for good books Thank God for his grace, because we both loved God through all of this. And we we learned individually. Uh, I remember during a, one tough time in our marriage, I was ministering in uh, the D.C. area in a church. And before it was my turn to minister, I was out in the congregation. And I we were having praise and worship. And I remember looking around and seeing all these ordinary people. And then looking at myself, and for the first time in my life, in a good way, I thought, I'm one of these ordinary people. It was a, it was a great revelation for me. Mm. Um, so anyway, we, we're grateful that we're in the best season of our lives. We have three beautiful grown daughters that are married with children. We have seven grandchildren that are really the cutest grandkids you've ever seen. And uh, we're we're blessed in spite of some adversity. Yeah. Uh, we are very very grateful and excited for this season in our lives. So I'd be interested in uh, I I've been married twice, and in both situations I've had those walls where you come up against them and say, "Oh, yeah. I don't think we're going to get past this." You talked about the drive to the counselor, and with the intent on both of your heart to say, okay, it's done. We're, we're ready to move on. Yeah. When other couples around you are, are coming up against those situations, what would you 
recommend to them as a way to say, it is worth it, let's stick it out, and maybe these are some things that we can do? Well, one of the first things our counselors told us when we first started was, you guys need to laugh. You need to just chill out and take a break from this and just laugh. Um, sometimes that's not easy to do, but right. it's important to do. And and Dave, we, we did end up doing physical separations and in-house separations. I call them outhouse separations. <laughs> right, yeah. <laughs> um, because we had to work on our individual selves first. We Individually, we needed healing. We needed help. Even though we were believers, there were just some, some patterns in our, each of our lives and uh, unhealthy thought patterns that and identity issues that needed to be settled individually before we could bring our whole selves into a relationship. So that might be a good place to start is, is not start on the coupleship, uh, but start on yourself as an individual. I remember the counselors put these uh, two hula hoops on the floor and there was a space where the hula hoops intersected. So mm -hmm. there was like three spaces and I was in my hula hoop and Rita was in her hula hoop and they invited us to step into the middle and Rita wouldn't do it. Mm -hmm. And, and, and that was a big step for her because normally we would be codependent and, and just do it for appearance sake or, because it was the right thing to do. But yeah, she was yeah. at that time, she was not ready to do that. And I remember being shocked, but also the counselor said, commended her for being honest. Yeah. And, and uh, I don't know why I shared that, but um, yeah, it's, it's not easy, but it is worth it. And we, we're so thankful, uh, especially for the last 10 years or so that, uh, that we enjoy each other's company. We know each other. It doesn't mean we don't have bumps in the road at times. We do just like everybody, but we're in a good season and I'm, I'm grateful. And I don't say it flippantly, but I attribute it to the mercy and the grace of God. Well, one of the things I read, and this is a kind of taking a little bit lighter tone on this here for a little bit. I read uh, you, you've traveled to 27 countries and 49 states. That's right. So do you have a favorite trip that you look back on and say, oh, that trip was the cat's meow? Well, one of the first times we went to Hawaii was was great. Our host was wonderful. He took us everywhere, wore us out, but it was we were making <laughs> a lot of memories. And so that was great. And Rita and I have been to Italy nine or ten times. I'm, wow. I'm half Italian. And uh, so we, again, had wonderful hosts in those countries. And, uh, and so that was great. We've been to Greece. And uh, I've been to Nigeria nine or ten times. Love the people of Nigeria. I've had some encounters there. Uh, ministered in front of 500,000 people. And wow. later that night, there was up to a million people that were there uh, after wow. we left. And, and frankly, I like the smaller venues better, but it was great to get to do that at least once to see that many people gathered. Yeah, yeah. So 49 states, which one are you missing? Utah. And if I could count singing while I walked through the Salt Lake City Airport, I, I'd include that, but I don't think that's really fair. <laughs> Still waiting on an invitation to Utah. <laughs> All right, listeners, anybody in Utah, we got to get David and Rita out to you <laughs> so they can cross off that bucket list. <laughs> so looking back over your career, your life, um, life with Jesus, life with Rita, whatever, I am always interested. Do you have a specific pinch me moment where you look back and think, oh my goodness, God, I can't believe you brought me into this situation? I've had several of those. Um, getting to meet Debbie Boone backstage here in Nashville, she recorded a song I co-wrote, Keep the Flame Burning. And Won a Grammy fact, with that. That's right. So I got to meet her and Abraham Laboreal, oh. who's my favorite bass player. Uh, and then in my travels, you know, I've been to Russia, I've been to Latvia, I've been to Ukraine, I've been to uh, Sweden and Switzerland and uh, Curacao and 
I remember, you know, just being driven down the road in Nigeria, thinking of my, I was born in a small town, Natchez, Mississippi. And I thought, well, this Mississippi boy has come a long way. Yeah. And, and it's nothing I could have engineered, Dave. It, it's the goodness and plan of God for my life. And I'm uh, so grateful. I will say this, I, Rita and I, when our children were very young, we sang at a church in Alabama on a Saturday evening. And when we had to drive two or three hours and spend the night in a hotel and do a Sunday morning service at a different church, of course. And I was driving down the road in our van and Rita was asleep and the girls were asleep in the back. And again, this was early in my life and ministry. And, and I was frustrated. I said, God, I know that you gave me this music. I know you gave me these songs. How come more people aren't hearing them? And the Lord spoke to me, not in an audible voice, but louder than that. He said, David, I'm going to open up doors for you, for your life and ministry that you haven't even dared to ask me about or imagine. But you're going to be so in love with me that those doors won't be too important to you. And that was just a great word for me. It wasn't that the doors weren't good and God opportunities, but my relationship with Jesus keeps it in perspective. David, one last opportunity. Do you have anything on your heart that you're feeling God is laying for the listeners, for me? I'd like to share some lessons from the Lion King. And this will be short. Okay. Okay. You know, the the Lion King, Simba, the lion cub, was destined to grow up and and take the place of his father, Mufasa. And yet, wicked Uncle Scar wanted to usurp the throne for himself. So he lied to Simba and lured him into a place where he knew that Mufasa would try to rescue Simba. And sure enough, it happened. Simba went where he shouldn't have gone because he listened to the wrong voice. And Mufasa rescued his son, but died in the process. So Simba ran away from his destiny. Fear and shame and believing a lie will cause us to run away from who we are. He hung out in the the jungle for a while, met some friends, Timon and Pumbaa, Kuna Matata. And uh, everything was fine for a little while, but some things happened. There was a famine in the land. He he, He felt this yearning in his heart to return home. But he was afraid and ashamed, and he needed to hear something. He needed to hear the voice of his father. So he did hear Mufasa speak from the heavens and say two very profound things that I think God is speaking to his people today. The first thing Mufasa said was, you've forgotten who you are, and you've forgotten me. And then the second thing he said was, you are more than what you have become. And he said that not in a shaming way, but in an empowering way. And I believe God is reminding us that if anyone is in Christ, he he is a new creation. Uh, We're not earthbound. We're not caterpillars anymore. And we're not even butterflies that are walking, but we've been made to, to soar. We are a new creation in Christ. We are more than what we have become. And I believe what God is doing and he's using music as one of the tools to do this, is to wake us up to who we really are in Christ and to see the wonder of God and the works of God come through us. Jesus said, because I'm sending the Holy Spirit greater works than what I've done shall you do. So it's an exciting and wonderful, though challenging time to be alive. And uh, God's grace is sufficient, and He is good. He is good. He is good. Every Saturday, I send out a newsletter to a bunch of folks who have agreed to pray for artists and musicians. And what is it that specifically we can be praying for you and for Rita in the weeks and the months that are in front of us? Well, Rita has some health issues, too, in her digestion and her neck so that our health issues are are... and then there's a uh, there's a healing trip we would like to take so provision for that healing trip 
Those are the two things that come to mind. And also just open doors so that we can share what God has shared with us. A great big thanks to David Baroni for spending time with us today and for the reminder that our identity is in Christ. You know, I think of that old cliche statement, God made you and God don't make no junk. (laughs) Maybe that is a silly catchphrase, but there is a lot of truth in that simple statement. There's a lot of scriptures that back that phrase up. Let's start with Genesis 1.27. So God created human beings in his own image. In the image of God, he created them male and female. Psalm 139, 13, and 14 reads, You made all the delicate inner parts of my body and knit me together in my mother's womb. Thank you for making me so wonderfully complex. Your workmanship is marvelous. John 1, 12 says, But to all who believed him and accepted him, God gave the right to be children of God. And of course, 2 Corinthians 5, 16, and 17 says, So we have stopped evaluating others from a human point of view. This means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone. A new life has begun. Wow, how encouraging is that? So I guess what I need to remind myself is that when I'm down or feeling less than worthy, that my identity is in Christ and that I have been created in God's image. You and I are children of God. And that means that as believers, we have been given a new life that far surpasses the judgment we place on ourselves or the judgment that the world pins on us. This week, I featured David Baroni's song, Alive in Jesus, from his 1987 album, The Heart Matters. I encourage you to stop by David's website and check out all of his albums, songbooks, and he even has a bunch of eBooks there too. Visiting his website is really the best way to support David's work. But you can also stream David's songs on most of the streaming platforms. As always, thank you for joining me for this conversation today. I am grateful that we get to spend this time together each week hearing stories of God's amazing faithfulness. As a regular listener to this podcast, would you be willing to join our prayer team? Each week, I'll send you a newsletter highlighting prayer requests from seven of the artists listed on the Christian Music Archive. We'll pray for their concerts, for family issues, for God's protection, and so much more. The weekly prayer newsletter is free, and you can sign up at christianmusicarchive.com slash prayer. This is a really important ministry, and I hope you'll join me doing this every single week. So go to christianmusicarchive.com slash prayer so you can join our weekly artist prayer team. Next week, I'm talking with Adrian Snell, who has been making music for nearly 50 years in the UK. We're going to talk about his career in music and how he is now using music as a therapy tool to help traumatized kids. This was a great conversation, and you don't want to miss it. So join me next week and every week as I share stories of the people you'll find listed on the pages of the Christian Music Archive. And until next week, remember this, God loves you. In fact, He's crazy about you. It's time for another Mischievous Mowers Miscellaneous Misquotes. A shout out to the people that don't know what the opposite of in is. 